So we are making our way through Unit 4 of Humble Yourself, The Way to Greatness. And Unit 4 is Humble Yourself Before God, and it's Part 1, which is turning, meaning turning to the Lord and turning from evil. And we've been covering various aspects of what that turning looks like. So we're up to point E, which is obedience and submission to God. Now, here is where the rubber hits the road. People can hear God. They can say nice of things about God. They can talk all kind of talk about God. But obedience is when it actually hits your own life, and you live by the very word that proceeds from the mouth of God. This is really the whole purpose of what Jesus died to give us, why he shed his blood on the cross to atone for our sin, to wash us and cleanse us of our sin, so that we could be purified vessels to house the Holy Spirit, so that we could hear God's voice for ourselves and obey him and submit ourselves to his commands and have strength, power from heaven, power from within, Christ in us, the hope of glory, power from our inner man, in our inner man, from the Holy Spirit, to obey the commands of God, which no one has been able to do without the Holy Spirit. But with the Holy Spirit, we can obey God the same way that Jesus did. So let's take a look at various aspects of obedience. So first of all, what is obedience? I know sometimes these definitions, you know, you're thinking like, Wendy, I know what obedience is. Yeah, but sometimes it's really worthwhile to dig into the word and what it means so that you can remind yourself and even test yourself to see if this definition is what you're doing in your relationship with God. Because I think I shared this in a different podcast. This might have been in The Gospel is the Power. But in my life, when I first came to faith, I had a wonderful salvation experience with the Lord, but I, I was completely ignorant to the ways of God, the Word of God, what God required, how to interact with God. I just knew that Jesus was Lord and that God had saved me. But I still treated my relationship with God um, in a very pagan or even democratic way. You know, I am born as an American, and so I was brought up with a very democratic way of thinking of things. And so my relationship with God was more like, well, you're God, and I'm Wendy, so you get a vote, and I get a vote, and if I don't like what you say, then I'm just going to do my own thing, and you'll still be God, but, you know, we'll meet up later. You know, and it's like, what? This is ridiculous. Talk about not really having a fear of the Lord. I was thankful that God had saved me, but I didn't yet understand the command or demand of obedience. And that came later. It didn't, God didn't let me go on my own for too long. I still stayed in relationship with him. He didn't cut me out of communication. He didn't cut me off from the faith, but I did get to a secondary point. And that was the time when I really submitted myself. And you know why? It was because 
Here's the thing. I hadn't intended to tell this story, but I had heard the voice of God telling me not to go a certain way, but I went that way anyway, and it wound up in a mess. Messy, 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 bad mess. And so I knew when, the, when that mess came upon my life, I was not ignorant and I did not forget that God had told me not to go that way. You know, there's a proverb that says a man goes his own way, but then his heart rages against the Lord. That was not me. My heart was not raging against the Lord. I knew that the Lord had tried to prevent me from going that way, but I had not listened. And so I dropped down to my knees and I prayed out. I cried out to the Lord. From this day forward, all I want to do is obey your voice. And somehow I knew that if I obeyed God's voice, that it would go well with me. Now, I will also tell you that the next few years of my life were extremely challenging, difficult, that God had a lot of work to do in me. But all I knew was that I had made a commitment to obey God's voice. Whatever I believed he was speaking to me, that is what I was going to do. And friends, I still live that way. I still live that way. That's what obedience is. So obedience means doing what someone else commands not what you want, what they want. So it's like having a general and you are just a common foot soldier. The common foot soldier can't just go off and do his own thing. He has to obey the general. Well, Jesus is king. Jesus is king. Jesus is the general. Jesus is the master. So who are you to think that you can just go off and do your own thing when Jesus is king? Submission means ordering yourself, making your life in alignment with someone else's way so that you can do things the way someone else wants them done. So let's look. Obedience in the Greek means obedience, compliance, submission, obedience rendered to anyone's counsels and requirements. So if you're really serious about obeying God, you need to ask, what does God require of me? What does Jesus command me to do? If all you're asking is, what can God do for me? And what do I want to do? And how can God help me with that? You are not in obedience. Obedience means you do what God wants. You order yourself after his way. Even the dictionary definition of this, obedience, compliance with an order, you know, like that general to the foot soldier. The general gives an order, the foot soldier obeys the order. Compliance with an order, a request, a law, a submission to another's authority. It's pretty simple. And then also in your study guide is the word in Greek for submit. And it means to arrange under, to subordinate. So if the general says, we're going east, 
Guess what? All of the foot soldiers and every subordinate officer under his command arranges themselves to pack up and go east. That's it. If you are under that general, the direction he goes, you go. Period. End of story. That's what submission is. This is also the word used for wives. Submit to your husband. The husband is the head of the household. The husband sets the direction. And once the husband sets the direction, you need to arrange yourself under that direction and subordinate yourself to him. But right now we're talking about Jesus and everyone who calls upon his name. We've got to arrange ourselves under his direction. Another aspect of this is to subject oneself, to obey, to submit to one's control, to yield to one's admonition or advice. So yield. You know that sign on the road, the triangle the, with the red border and the white middle? I think that's the yield sign internationally. But, you know, in America, it also has the word yield on it. That means you got to let the other guy go first. That means even if you're going 100 miles an hour, if somebody else is coming down the road, you have to slow down and yield. The other guy gets the leading position. That means what someone else wants to do. You give up your own way to follow them. Yield to them. And this word was, um, interestingly, you know, I talked about a general, but it was a Greek military term. It was used to describe military deployment and military ordering. So it meant in the military sense to arrange a, a troop divisions, to arrange troop divisions in a military fashion under the command of a leader. If it was used in non-military uses, you know, the same word can be used in different settings or contexts, it was a voluntary attitude of giving in, cooperating, assuming responsibility, and carrying a burden. So a voluntary attitude. Oh, that's what I'm supposed to do? Okay, I will do it. Yep, you, that's what you want to do? I will give in to your way of doing things. That's what you want to do? I will cooperate with your way of doing things and do it with a smile, I might add. Oh, that's what you want to do? Okay, I will assume responsibility for my part of doing what you have asked me to do. Do you get it? Do you see it? This is what it means to obey and to submit ourselves to the Lord. So Proverbs 3, starting with verse 5, this is everyone's favorite verse. Well, not everyone's, but a lot of people love this verse and quote it a lot and frequently. But it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. And your translation might say acknowledge him, but this is the NIV translation. I wanted to use it because it says submit to him and he will make your path straight. So I know of people, I've heard this verse abused by people. They say it's their life verse, but really they're not using this verse correctly. They're saying, oh, I trust in the Lord with all my heart, and I don't understand all these situations in my life, but I'm still acknowledging God. I'm still acknowledging that God is in control. Uh, 
Um, that's not what this verse means. And that's why I used in particular the NIV, which captures an element of the definition of that word. So trust in the Lord. Don't lean on your own understanding. This, the, the people that I have heard say things like that, they are still leaning on their own understanding or, you know, because they don't, they haven't connected with understanding the ways of God. They haven't even asked God. They're just rolling down the river thinking that their faith is so great because they don't have a clue what's happening. No, Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit could lead us into all truth. If you ask God, God, what's happening? He'll tell you. If you submit yourself to him, he'll tell you. He'll he'll show you his way. And sometimes he'll make you walk something out by faith and you don't have a clue what's happening. But then at the end of it, he'll show you and he'll say, yeah, I needed you to walk it out by faith just by obeying my voice. But let me now show you what we've just done and what I've just accomplished in your life. It's awesome. God is awesome. God is spectacularly awesome. His ways are always just and right and true. And we need to submit ourselves to him arrange ourselves under what he says. Solomon also talks about it this way in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, verse 13. This is the end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. And we talked about that in the segment on the fear of the Lord. If you take God as seriously as a foot soldier would take a general, that's the fear of the Lord. Fear the Lord and keep his commandments. That's what God requires of you. That's what God expects of you. That's what God is worthy of because he created the whole world. He created you and he will ultimately judge all people in the end. So obedience is precious in the sight of God. An example of this obedience, obedience being better than anything else we think we can do for God, is King Saul. King Saul was the first king of Israel. And King Saul got himself into a pressure situation. The enemy was attacking. They looked really ferocious. It was the Philistines, this race of giants who are 13 feet tall. So Saul was like, the enemy is going to kill us. That's not good. And so he took matters into his own hands. Rather than obeying the command of God, Saul offered a sacrifice as king, which kings are not allowed to offer. Only an authorized priest is allowed to offer those sacrifices according to the law of God. So Saul broke the law. But in this rebuke that the prophet Samuel, who is a priest who is going to come and offer the sacrifices that were pleasing to God and in obedience to the command of God, Samuel rebuked Saul and told him that self-will is the same as idolatry. We talked about that in the part about arrogance, right? Arrogant, 
doing things your own way. That means you are idolizing yourself. And in the sight of God, it is the same thing as if you were bowing down to an idol of stone or wood that was made by human hands. And self-will is rebellion against God. Because you're not doing God's will, you're doing your own will. It's disobedience. So let's look at what Samuel said. This is 1 Samuel chapter 15, starting with verse 22. And Samuel said, Has the Lord a great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the Lord? So he's saying, Saul, you should have obeyed. Not, not offer the sacrifices that are unauthorized. God would have been more pleased if you had stood fast because of obedience to his commands. Does God really want your sacrifice? Or does God want your heart of obedience and reverence and submission to him, acknowledging that he is God and he is more powerful than any enemy if you will only do things his way? Samuel continues, Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination, and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. And he goes on, Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you from being king. So God is looking for those who will listen to him, to those who will obey him. You can give away everything that you own, Paul said to the Corinthians. So what if you give away everything that you own? If you don't have love that the Holy Spirit has worked in your heart through the regeneration of the Lord to the likeness of Jesus who laid down his life out of love for us, then you're nothing. It doesn't matter. You could give everything away, and it doesn't amount to a hill of beans in the sight of God if your heart is still disobedient to him. Rebellion is just like divination. Those who consult with sorcerers, witch doctors, cast spells, talk to the dead, that's rebellion. Your rebellion against God is the same as that in the sight of God. Now, maybe you haven't taken obedience that seriously, but I think it's time for you to begin today to do so. Presumption, doing things your own way, is iniquity. It's sin in your inmost being. And idolatry, like we said, it's idolizing yourself. And it cost Saul the kingship. The Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and God anointed David, who would be a man after his own heart. And we've touched on this, but I want to be clear. Yes, there are the Ten Commandments, but as New Covenant believers, we are not under law. We are under grace. 
So, yes, we will be led by the Holy Spirit in the ways of God. The Holy Spirit will never lead us in rebellion against the law. Paul even said we do not uh, abolish the law. We uphold it. We do not negate the law. We uphold it. We demonstrate it. Because how can the Spirit of God violate the law of God? It can't. However, we also have to keep the commands of Jesus. Jesus actually raised the bar of obedience to a much higher standard than the Ten Commandments could ever hold you to. And I know a lot of people who are living this life and they think, well, I haven't really violated the Ten Commandments, but they're not looking at the intent of their heart or the wickedness of their own heart. They're not looking at how Jesus raised the standard of obedience in his commands. So let's look. Jesus said, John 14, verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. John 15, starting with verse 13, he said, greater love has no one than this, that someone should lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. So I think we talked about that a couple segments ago. Jesus never called Judas his friend. By the time he's speaking in John 15, Judas had already left the room. Now Jesus is about to depart. He's teaching the disciples who are his friends, who have proved loyal to him up to this point. And he said, now you're my friends if... You do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. And that's Jesus' primary command. He said, a new command I give you, love one another. Love one another even as I have loved you. That is the primary command of Jesus, but he gives others throughout the course of his teachings. So he says that by following and obeying his commands is actually the way that any one of us will be able to bear fruit in keeping with repentance and fruit unto eternal life, fruit that will last into eternal life, fruit that will receive a reward. In the world to come. These things he commanded so that you will love one another. But he said, You're only my friends if you do what I command you. And so, an example of this is his own parable about the wise and foolish builders. Matthew 7, starting with verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain fell, 
And the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. See, we can't just hear the teachings of Jesus. We need to do them. If we do them, we are a friend of God. If we love him, we will do them. If we do them, we are a friend of God. If we do them, we are built on the rock and will make it through the storm that is to come on the whole world. But he said, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell. And the floods came, and the wind blew and beat that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. So this is the difference. The storm is coming on everyone. The wise ones who have heard the commands of Jesus and done them will make it through the storm. The house will not fall. But the unwise ones who have heard the commands of Jesus but not put them into practice, will prove to be foolish and will fall in the day to come. We have to have traction in obeying the commands of Jesus. And again, there is an evaluation that I've put together. Uh, It's pretty extensive, and it can actually be pretty intimidating. Just so you know, when I did put it together and finally looked at it, even for myself, I was like, "Uh uh-oh, there are things on here that I've never done, not even once. I mean, the, the commands of Jesus in the Gospels particularly are very extensive. There might be more of them than you think there are. And so I've put together this uh, another prayer guide. It's called, guess what? The Commands of Jesus. And you can find that, again, there's an image of it in your study guide. You can click on that. It will take you to the free download. If you're not looking at your study guide, it's at manifestinternational.com slash free. And you can click on the prayer guides and find the Commands of Jesus prayer guide. It's a free download for you. And just start to evaluate the seriousness of your own obedience. Are you really being obedient to the commands of Jesus? Or are you just living your life your own way and doing it in Jesus' name and calling yourself a follower of Jesus when you're not actually doing his commands at all?